0: Warning. Incoming hostiles. gaming weekly for the week of may 22nd 2019 my name is nick and alongside me is my brother josh say hi josh hi josh i almost spilled my coffee how are you doing
1: doing pretty good Got is... a haircut i did get a haircut my foot is doing better good and uh yeah
0: i did not get a haircut my foot has always been fine and just so you know Wear gaming weekly posts every week on youtube.com and on podcast services you can also find us uh, uh on our website at where and you can follow us on Twitch.tv/WhereGaming underscore, and you can write into us at weekly at WhereGaming.com to be heard on the show. Um, I have one more week of movie. Yep. And then I'll be here for at least two-ish, three-ish more weeks. Yep. And then I'll be going out of town for a little bit, but we will be doing. I'm kind of. We're making we're... us doing this. Um, we've not talked about it until just right this moment, but. Maybe daily reactions to E three. Uh, e three, because yeah. I'm leaving that Thursday of E three. Okay, so so we
1: we can get Saturday Sunday. Does anything start on
0: Friday yet? Uh, supposedly the EA not press conference is happening that Friday. Yeah. Uh, but n- everything I just looked at a uh, breakdown. I was actually gonna put it in the doc. Oh, we today. could do
1: we could do Saturday. And we can re- react to Friday and Saturday's news. And then we can do Monday. Well, we can do, yeah, Monday, Sunday, Monday's news. I don't know. Uh,
0: here is, just real quick, the uh, breakdown of the event. Uh, excuse me. Uh, so, according to the E3 press conference, um, according to IGN, the so Microsoft kicks us off on Sunday, June 9th. At 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. BST, and so on. Bethesda is after that at 5.30 Pacific. Devolver Digital is at 7 Pacific. And then on Monday, June 10th, we have Ubisoft at 1 p.m. Pacific, and Square Enix after that at 6 p.m. Pacific. And then on Tuesday, June 11th, we have Nintendo at 9 a.m. Pacific. So kind uh, of, there's also the
1: limited run games. We have the kind of funny games showcase, PC game show.
0: Oh yeah, the kind of funny games showcase is going to be on Monday, June 10th, at four thirty. Four thirty Pacific. Limited run mm-hmm. will be
1: on June we, we 10th. We might do like a collective. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so reaction to maybe, all of those.
0: Um.
1: Because it doesn't list EA. Um. We have Activision, who said they're not doing a, they're not going to be on the show floor, but they'll have something to say, probably about Call of Duty and w- yeah. what their plans Almost are.
0: Like, yeah, it, I mean, since Sony's gone, maybe they'll be at Microsoft to promote their. It's possible. Or they'll do like a weird third-party
1: mm-hmm. thing. Um, so it's still so it doesn't show Activision anywhere. It doesn't have EA on there. Um, I think there's a, is in uh, is Google going to say anything?
0: I don't know if they're gonna do E three. Did, E3 did this they
1: me- mention doing E three? I don't remember. Oh, I. Fun fact: I learned that stadia is is a unit of measurement used by the ancient Greeks. Oh. I was watching this video guy proving that the Earth is round with a bicycle, and two sticks, and he had two sundials, and he was in Can- Canada. But um, he was talking about this. Uh, did uh, you say
0: a- Canadian sundial?
1: No, he was a Canadian. He was using sundials. Oh, I'm oh canadians no um but he was talking about the same experiment he was doing was done by aristosthenes in greek and he had used two different cities he might have been roman either oh,
0: way he put two sticks in two different cities
1: yeah and and measured them and they were different mm. so um and pr- proving the curvature of the curvature earth. of the earth and he was able to use the the difference to calculate uh, how the circumference of the Earth within a margin of error, and so, uh, the the guy on the video did the same thing. He was only off by like six thousand miles.
0: Science with Josh.
1: Yeah, but anyway, the point was stadia. They d- they weren't sure exactly because, um just used stadia as a measurement. Oh, but what but they weren't sure what stadium he was referring to or anything like that, and that ra- reminded me of google stadia which is the google cloud gaming program now that everybody's asleep let's get on with let's show. get on with the who what and the where
0: all right uh so we will <coughs> we'll break down what we're exactly what we'll do next week uh for e3 uh, all right first up on the who what and the where sony and microsoft partner- hell has frozen over maybe maybe sony and microsoft partner for cloud ai innovations this is from rebecca valentine at gamesindustry.biz
1: now before you start i sent you the other article was the other article basically just this one too yeah, it was pretty About similar. The same. okay i wasn't sure how much difference was going to be in there but. right uh
0: today the day of this writing microsoft and Sony announced that they are forming a strategic partnership with one another collaborating on cloud services and ai technology the two companies will work together on a number of technologies and solutions largely focused around Microsoft's Azure cloud service. This will include looking into ways Azure can be used with Sony's existing stream- s- streaming services for both games and other content.
1: You know, couldn't they use, like, a, a easier name? Azure. Azure. I mean, isn't that terrible? But it's still a little... You
0: like, have to think about it for just a second. A- Azure. Azure. Azure.
1: Or Azure.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. The pair will also look at improving AI technology for customers working together on intelligent image sensor technology and incorporating the work Microsoft has already done with Azure on both AI and cloud, as well as Sony's understanding of image sensors and semiconductors. Quote, for many years, Microsoft has been a key business partner for us, though of course the two companies have also been competing in some areas, said Sony CEO Ken- Kenichiro Yoshida. I believe that our joint development of future cloud solutions will contribute greatly to the advancement of interactive content. Additionally, I hope that in the areas of semiconductors and AI, leveraging each company's cutting-edge technology in a mutually complementary way will lead to the creation of a new value for society." Sony has always been a leader in both entertainment and technology, and the collaboration we announced today builds on the history of innovation said Satya Nadella, Microsoft CEO. Our partnership brings the power of Azure and and Azure AI to Sony to deliver new gaming and entertainment experiences for customers. Though not mentioned in the partnership announcement, this collaboration seems, at least in part, to be a response to to Google's announcement earlier this year of its new game streaming service Stadia, which uses cloud-based technology to stream games across mobile, TV, tablet, and desktop uh, PC. Microsoft has been vocal about its interest in cloud infrastructure development for some time through ino- initiatives such as the Project xCloud, and there have been rumors of the company announcing a streaming-only console in the near future, though that may have been curbed somewhat by the announcement of the Xbox One S All-Digital Edition, which is diskless but not cloud-driven. Meanwhile, Sony has its own cloud streaming service and PlayStation Now, but its plans for the next console generation have noticeably, have been noticeably low on anything cloud-related, it's a position that, if held, would likely keep Sony's next console as the only traditional, quote, new console release of being of Of the big. Sorry. N- the only traditional new console release of the big three as Microsoft focused on cloud streaming and Nintendo continue iterating on its hybrid
1: Nintendo Switch. So This harkens back to Harkens, harkens back to one of our first episodes where I was talking about my pie in the sky dream of all these cloud technologies coming out with, you know, uh, with with Microsoft, with Google, with um, T-Mobile and or Verizon TV. or whatever, Apple TV, and I said, just work together and make make a solid foundation that we can all work or, work off of.
0: Get you know, by a Roku stick that just has PlayStation games and right.
1: And I mean that that's still a little further down the line, but. Mm-hmm this is what I wanted to say I want to see two big tech companies put their brains together and come up with a way for this to actually work um, and not be a noticeable like w- w- with stadia the, the the biggest concern is uh, uh, input lag if you do something on the controller and it takes more than you know a, a millisecond or two to for it to do it your your you know your your perception Mm-hmm. Uh, you start to perceive that, and so uh, playing games that way feels feels bad. Right. So, if if they don't come up with a way to fix that, then none of these cloud services will succeed. So, coming together and trying to utilize the strengths of both companies, like they were saying, is a good way to help. Right. Get this technology moving forward. And these are two mon- uh, monolithic. Monumental, mon- monolithic, monolithic works, monolithic yeah. companies that know what they're doing.
0: And it's only there's only benefits to come from it, I think. Right. Unless, yeah, I can't think of a detriment.
1: And what if, you know, people have had complaints about the PlayStation Network for so long, and Xbox, you know, and one everybody wants crossplay, and everybody wants this. What if this is the future? Like, all right, well, if you're playing online, everybody's playing on the same servers. And y- using the same technology that everybody else is using, so it's easy, f- or easier, or whatever, for everybody to communicate. Possibly, I don't know. So, they definitely. have a joint like Netflix service or something of yeah. PlayStation and X- Xbox games, and you can yeah. play it on either console. I don't know, but uh, that'd be, <laughs> I mean, or this is just a way to get this cloud technology to improve both of their respective. Uh, yeah, programs like PlayStation Now, or and, and Xbox it Game Pass. It sounds like
0: it could be as simple as like just exchanging notes. Like, oh, what did you do here? Oh, yeah, great. That's great. Well, then, then, then plug that equation in, and bam. Right. So, cancer. I'm excited
1: to see what what more comes out of this, um, and we'll keep you updated as we are updated.
0: All no. right. Uh, so, <coughs> last week or the week before, we talked about. The, the, the Riot Games walkout. And right. so we have an update. There's a part of the original story and then an update from this. So if you want, to, do you want me to take it or do you want to take it? I'll take it.
1: Okay. So uh, Riot Games stands firm against a walkout employee's demands from James Batchelor at gamesindustry.biz. The original story is <clears throat> the employee walkout at Riot Games appears to be having no effect on the company's position. As management confirmed, they will continue to use private arbitration for the ongoing legal battles it fights. Um, staff at League of Legends developer uh, staged a mass walkout earlier this month over a mandatory clause that forces employees to waive their rights to sue, in ri- sue Riot in court. Uh, frustration over the clause has been growing in recent weeks until rumors of a walkout began to emerge. Three days before the walkout actually occurred, Riot Games said it would drop its mandatory arbitration clause, but only after conflicts are resolved. current conflicts are resolved and only for future employees. It promise it, it also promised to discuss an opt- out for established staff uh, Bloomberg reports uh, that stance has Bloomberg reports that stance has not changed in a uh, statement the company said ultimately given the complexities of ongoing litigation we will not change our employee uh, agreements while while in active litigation we know not everyone agrees with this decision but we also know everyone does Everyone does want Riot to continue to improve. Since the expose on Riot's toxic network, uh, toxic work environment last year, uh, the company has been making efforts to develop a more diverse and inclusive culture, but, progr- but progress has been slow. Five women at the company have sued Riot during that time, with complaints ranging, a- ranging from harassment to disparities in pay between genders. Uh, one case has been put together as a class action lawsuit from both current and former staff. A riot pushed for these cases to be moved to into arbitration in April, which sparked the frustration over this issue and eventually resulted in the walkout. According to Bloomberg, studies show that employees are less likely to win in arbitration than, than in court. So, that's the original story. Update. Uh, Riot Games has reached out to GamesIndustry.biz with more information on the impact of the walkout and the ongoing debate about its arbitration clause. In the full statement, the company describes the walkout as an important moment in our company's transformation. While the stance on the arbitration hasn't changed since the previous announcement before the walkout, Riot re-emphasized that it remains, quote, committed to having a firm answer around extending an opt-out to all rioters when active litigation concludes. The company also promised that, quote, at a minimum, we will give new rioters the option to opt out of our of, of our arbitration on individual sexual harassment claims. Uh, a spokesperson a spokesperson also told GamesIndustry.biz that other changes, such as new council formed to better connect staff with the team, helping to improve the company's culture, plus estab- enabling employees to reshape the. F- Firm's code of conduct would not have happened without the walkout and efforts of its organizers. So, a lot to take in there. Yes,
0: I. It sounds like to me, someone who doesn't understand half of what this is saying. Mm -hmm. No matter how many times we define arbitration and stuff like this, and like what it means to opt out, it, it, it. I just you know wish I had a legal guy with me, but. Um. It's like they're both trying to sound I, – I don't want to say that it's nefar- any of this is nefarious. It might be. But it sounds like they're trying to still maintain themselves as a company and try to change at the same time. Um, or or try to get out of being sued for something. And I, I don't
1: know really. but Yeah, I don't really know. Yeah. Um... Some of the language is weird, like for new employees and at the very minimum, we'll give new writers the option to opt out of our arbitration clause on individual sexual harassment claims. So that's not even, that says they're not even going to be able to opt out of everything. Only if it's only for sexual harassment can you opt out of this Mm -hmm. arbitration. And so that seems a little like, yeah, nefarious, as you were saying. Um, as far as we, we're we're not going to end the current litigation that's going on and go and I guess go through a court battle mm-hmm. um for whatever reason I don't know if it's difficult to end current litigation and go back to the drawing board on that. I don't yeah. know if there's a legal precedent for well, we've already started something so it can't be stop you can't go I, I I don't understand all of that yeah um but it, if if i think if the statement was after current litigation is done all riders will have the option new and former to opt out of any arbitration clause mm-hmm. or just we we're, we're just going to nullify arbitrate the mandatory al- arbitration like there's got to be a way legally to just do that nullify those those contracts that were signed you know mm mm-hmm.
0: Well, and then this uh, little line here, it says, according to Bloomberg, studies show employees are less likely to win in arbitration than in court. So, I mean, I, I feel I, like that's a comment that they put in just to, like, set the tone.
1: I, I think these stories are missing some context about how arbitration works, because um, I, I just don't know. I've heard that sometimes you get better results out of arbitration, and they're... Because it's more like in depth, or they're more like closely. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Um, I'm not saying that they should keep their mandatory arbitration. I just I just don't know enough about how arbitration works, and to say whether or not arbitration you know, the the arbitration with the company is bad or good. Yeah, and at so, this point, I feel like I'm just saying arbitration
0: a bunch, and it's losing its meaning. So right.
1: Uh, but we wanted to bring it back up because you know a couple weeks ago we were talking about this, and it's just. The story will continue mm-hmm. and we'll, we look forward to uh, the I changes see and the that, industry yeah that,
0: that's what i was going to say i was like i want to see riot get back to or get maybe not get back to but get to a point where people feel comfortable working there again. yeah and, and that's uh, the same with any of these places sure so but uh for now uh let's talk about call of duty uh this is from kataku jason schreier Call of Duty 2020, an upheaval as Treyarch takes over, plans Black Ops 5. Next year's Call of Duty has gone through a major upheaval, as publisher Activision informed developers this week that studios Raven and Sledgehammer, which had until now led the project, will no longer be in charge. Instead, according to three people familiar with the goings-on at the companies, Treyarch will lead development on a new Black Ops for 2020. It's a significant shift for Activision's massive first-party sorry first person shooter franchise which is one of the most lucrative video game series on the planet every fall for the past 15 years activision has put out a new call of duty game supported by a stable of different developers who rotated duties as required since 2012 activision has followed a three-year cycle for its three lead studios infinity treyarch and sledgehammer the results have looked like this uh this goes from 2012 to this current year so black ops 2 was treyarch the next year was Ghosts, uh, Call of Duty Ghosts by Infinity Ward. Then it was Sledgehammer in 2014 with Advanced Warfare. Then it was Treyarch with Black Ops Three, Infinity Ward with Infinite Warfare, and Sledgehammer with Call of Duty World War Two. And then Treyarch did Black Ops Four. And this year, there's been you know the unannounced Call of Duty game that most likely might be a Modern Warfare.
1: And that's Infinity Ward
0: yeah so infinity Ward just is is lined up to do the next one uh, do the current one but then after that instead of sledgehammer doing it
1: it's going to be Treyarch. so for
0: 2020 activision had originally switched things up assigning the wisconsin-based support studio raven to take leadership ro- to take a leadership role alongside sledgehammer to make a call of duty game set in the cold war likely involving vietnam a very, as of very recently, that's changed. Now Treyarch, based in Santa Monica, California, is in charge of leading Call of Duty Black Ops 5 for 2020. According to those, who brief, those briefed on the overhaul, Treyarch will take creative leadership on this new Black Ops, while Raven and Sledgehammer will su- serve as support studios for the game, transforming the work they've done on their own single-player story mode into a campaign for Black Ops 5, which will also be set during the Cold War. This may be a welcome return for fans who criticize the lack of campaign in Black Ops 4. It will likely be a cross-gen game to coincide with the launch of the next PlayStation and Xbox, which are expected in the fall of 2020. What this means is rather than getting three years to make their next game after Black Ops 4 or Triarch will just have two, some of the companies say they're not pleased about that and are already bracing for brutal overtime hours like they faced last year on Black Ops 4. Others have told Kotaku they're excited about the change, as they have a solid game plan that isn't likely to change drastically, unlike their last two projects. This news comes during a strange time for Activision and Call of Duty. Although Black Ops 4 sold well at first, we've heard that it hasn't quite hit the revenue tail that Activision's bean counters were hoping to see. Internally, Activision's executives started to talk about embracing free-to-play as a revenue model, once Anathema... What? I don't know. Look that word up.
1: it. Oh, you keep going. Okay, here it is. Anath- anathema, uh, something or someone that one vehemently, I can't even say that word. Vehemently. Dislike. Dislikes. Huh.
0: That's a kind of a good, cool word. I like it. Uh, anathema. Where was I? Anathema. Okay, uh, internally, Activision's executives have started to talk about embracing free to play as a revenue model, once anathema, to the publisher, and three sources say are looking into offering free-to-play component for this year's new modern warfare. Although the specifics may not be finalized yet, some within Activision have remained resistant to the idea. The past year has also been rough for the San Francisco-based sledgehammer. In February 2018, Kotaku broke the news that Sledgehammer's co-founders Michael Condry and Glenn Schofield have left the studio. Although Activision spun it as a promotion, saying they'd take on new executive duties, it was very clearly an ousting, and the two quietly exited shortly afterwards. Earlier this year, Condry started a new Silicon Valley studio with publisher 2K.
1: Hmm? Silicon. (laughs) Is that what I said? Silicon?
0: Sil- Silicon Valley studio with publisher 2K, where he's recruited dozens of Sledgehammer staff. The studio had been hemorrhaging employees over the past few months, much to the dismay of those who remain. One primary reason behind this Call of Duty upheaval, according to two people familiar with the happenings at Activision, is the tension between Sledgehammer and Raven, whose staff staff are said to have argued frequently during the past year development of Call of Duty 2020. Two people familiar with the project described it as a mess, now, both studios will serve as support for Treyarch as publisher prepares to release Black Ops 5. Activision declined to comment. So, basically, it sounds like they were fighting about it and didn't agree on anything. And then Activision was like, fine.
1: We'll stop it. whatever you're doing. We're going to make it a but Black Ops game. Uh, Treyarch, you're, you're, the, you're the big guns. It used to be Infinity Ward was the big guns. Mm-hmm. But now it's uh, Treyarch because Black Ops is making mm-hmm. Bank.
0: I've always preferred the Black Ops ones. I always well, liked well, Black.
1: Well, I, I mean, Black Ops Two was the last Black Ops I played. That's true. But, um, i I I liked enjoyed the Black Ops, uh, Two more than the Modern War mo, Modern Warfare Three. Yeah. So, I always thought the stories were more in depth. Of course, the last one didn't have a story, so yeah, they don't care about me. But <laughs> no. well, they do now because it's coming back. It's well, coming now back. no Sledgehammer's doing the single player. And, right. Uh, and Treyarch's going to work on other things. I don't know. Oh. Excuse
0: um, me. So, if you were hoping for Infinity Ward to do their game, then... You, no, Sledgehammer. Sledgehammer to do their game, then you just... Infinity
1: is still doing this year. Right. So, so uh, it looks like it might switch to a two-year cycle.
0: Yeah. Which is interesting, because Sledgehammer did World War Two, and people love that one. Yeah. So,
1: mm, I don't know. Maybe it's time for Call of Duty to get a... Assassin's Creed. Assassin's Creed or, you know, just a total reworking. Yeah. A a, a new Call of Duty for a new decade.
0: That'd be great. Most likely won't happen. Mm -hmm.
1: All right. (coughs) Excuse me.
0: Speaking of 2020.
1: Ubisoft planning four AAA releases through March 2020. This is from Adam Bankhurst at IGN. Ubisoft has announced that Skull and Bone, Skull and Bone, Bones, Skull and Bones, <laughs> like uh, Anchorman, Anchorman, no, Bruce Almighty, Bruce
0: Almighty,
1: Yep. Ubisoft has announced that Skull and Bones will be delayed to after March 2020, and that four AAA games, including Ghost Recon Breakpoint, will be unveiled and released by the end of March 2020. Revealed via Ubisoft's 2018-19 financial earnings report, the company's 2019-2020 financial targets of net bookings of around a lot of money will be led by Ghost Recon Breakpoint and three other AAA titles that are currently unknown. As for Skull and Bones, the reason it is not expected to release until after March 2020 is due to the fact that Ubisoft pirate game has been delayed past Ubisoft's... Okay, that's... That's... It's... the reason is the reason. <laughs> the reason it is not expected to release until after March 2020 is due to the fact that Ubisoft's Pyre game has been delayed past 2019-2020 fiscal year, which began on April. So, yeah, the reason is the reason. Yeah. So, it's not going to re- March. <laughs> it's not going to re- it's going to release after tw- March 2020 because it's going to release after March 2020. Okay. Anyway, S- the Skull and Bones team represented by producer Carl Lu, Lu no, that's what i would say uh also took to twitter to share a message with a fan with its fans of a game that is, does not exist i don't know how there's fans <laughs> uh, that skull and bones will also not be at e3 2019 and as the team will focus entirely on making the game as great as possible originally scheduled for a release to, to be released in fall of 2018 the title we called a mix between assassin's creed for black flag for Honor and the crew apparently needs a bit more time to be able to live up to the team's vision. <coughs> Ghost Recon Breakpoint was revealed last week and is a follow-up to Ghost Recon Wildlands. Uh, that will be released on PC, Xbox One, and PlayStation 4 on October 4th, 2019. Uh, Breakpoint is also our first... Uh, well, is, is the IGN first for the month. So stay tuned, blah, blah, blah. Uh... Figuring out what the other three AAA titles uh, are will be the new gripping question as we know Assassin's Creed is taking this year off and, we, and there was a small hope of the new Splinter Cell. We talked but, about that last yeah, week. Yeah, we talked about it last week, but it was a joke. So
0: Yeah. So, so I didn't realize that Breakpoint was a, a sequel, was another game. For some reason, I thought it was like DLC that was supposed to be well, really good.
1: Um yeah, Ghost Recon Breakpoint is going to feature uh, John Barenthal, who is um, yeah, uh, uh, the Punisher sure. and Shane from Walking Dead. Um, he was just introduced in Wildlands DLC. Oh, so it might be. I mean, they announced they're talking about it like it's a full-on sequel, but it sounds like they're they're teasing it in the game, and it's going to move into its own. Um. As far as the other three games, I imagine. Um, Just Dance.
0: Well, is that. Did it say original? Like new games? No.
1: Unannounced. Okay. Um, I would imagine uh, Watch Dogs is coming back. You think so? Uh, Yeah. And I still think Splinter Cell.
0: I don't know if you can do Splinter Cell and Watch Dogs in the same year.
1: I mean, not that they're super similar, but I think. I think you can do Watch Dogs in the fall and hit splinter cell in March. Yeah. And what, an, I mean, we, we could be looking at another, uh, Nintendo crossover. Um, they're going to do a just dance. We don't know if that's one of the titles they're really worried about, you know, I mean, it does, it sells crazy, mm-hmm. like crazy for them. I,
0: I just, I feel like, well, I guess they would, they would put that into the four, but it feels like, it I don't know that it excites
1: when... anybody except just dance people. Yeah. Um, a Prince of Persia that'd be cool, but wh- I mean that's what Assassin's Creed does. So yeah, I, I mean I would like a new Prince of Persia, but yeah, I mean I would play it
0: for sure. Mm-hmm. But all right, uh, Minecraft has sold 176 million copies worldwide, and this is from Rebecca Valentine at Games Under Biz for like the third time today.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, today, um, Microsoft and Mojang announced that Minecraft. Mo Yang.
1: That's how they say it?
0: Have Announced that Minecraft has officially sold one hun- 176 million copies worldwide and has 200 million registered users in its free Chinese release as the sandbox title reaches the 10th anniversary. why do you do the...
1: It sold 176 million copies and 200 million registered users and it's free. That is... Almost 400 million copies of that game. Out there. Out there.
0: No. No. It's...
1: So, 106 million
0: copies. They have sold
1: 176 million copies worldwide. And has 200 million registered users. And it's free Chinese release. Oh. See, I
0: just figured there was like 34 million...
1: Who have it for free. The way that says it has two hundred million registered users in its free Chinese release. That is more than Okay. The actual number there. Right. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> that sounds like three hundred and seventy six million people are playing this game. And that's quite a bit. That is probably I think that's more than the population of the United States. I don't know,
0: you should fact check that. The original, P- the original PC version of the game recently passed 30 million unit sales on its own just last month. And to coincide with the game's 10th anniversary, Microsoft has announced a new free-to-play mobile argument, argument, augmented reality game in the franchise called Microsoft Earth. Minecraft Earth. These new f- figures technically put Minecraft as the best-selling game by unit sales ever released according to official numbers, though it may not, actually be, may not actually be the true best-seller. For instance, in 2014, the Tetris company said it had 425 million paid mobile downloads, though this may have been across multiple branded games. A representative from the brand told GamesIndustry.biz that as a policy, Tetris does not release sales numbers, and those reported by other outlets have not been confirmed by the company the next best-selling game for which concrete numbers are available is Grand Theft Auto V, which as we said last week, has sold nearly 110 million copies as of earlier
1: this week. And that's why I put the story in here. Not that we care about Minecraft, but last week we were talking about how big Grand Theft Auto V is. Minecraft just eats its lunch,
0: for sure. And you know, it's interesting cuz I mean, I remember Microsoft mine Minecraft coming out and everybody I, I had so many friends in high school that were, well, that was not 10 years ago. Well, yeah. 2009, I would have started high school. Um, Jesus. the fall of 2019, uh, 2009, yeah. I would have started high school. So, that that's crazy. Yeah, Anyways, um. So I just remember a bunch of people playing it. I can never get into it. I, I I used to mess around with it. Mainly, I would just dig, in one line all the way down until I wouldn't, I couldn't go any further. Yeah.
1: And then it would get dark, and I didn't like it, and so I just. I remember my, my buddy Patrick playing it, um, and in band, when I was at, uh the you know was when I was in the marching band at U of L, mm-hmm. and just showing it to us, and that's where I learned the plague game, the oh. plague ink or whatever mm-hmm. it was. I don't think it was called that, but yes. He was into all that kind of, like, beta, uh, you know, PC
0: games. Right. Well, and my my friend uh, Jared had built uh, a pretty decent re- replica of our high school in the game. Which, thinking about it now, may not be kosher. Uh, <laughs> but I thought it was neat. I mean,
1: if I were to make something in a game, you would probably, like use something out of real world world, something you could see like oh man that was cool i made my school it it, it was cool and he like used the
0: right colors and everything and we were we would walk down the hall and he would have his laptop open and we would walk down the hall at the same time and it was like oh that's neat yeah that is neat
1: that brings me to what i want to do in dreams i want to get i want to get a copy of dreams so we can build the studio in the in dreams and somehow program like avatars of us like talking mm. and so we could just plug our audio into that and so we one we never had to be on camera again no <laughs> josh would love that and then um we it would just be kind of neat to do yeah i saw this week someone had created donkey kong and yeah uh, like a 3d like donkey kong world and I, I,
0: s- I saw someone made like there's a, a TV show called Dexter's Laboratory and someone made Yeah, it someone made a Dexter's that. Lab game. And it kind of, uh, the image I saw reminded me of like the old uh, Rugrats game. Mm-hmm. It was very like cartoon cartoony yeah. and fun.
1: Anyway. Um, I'm, I, I'm, I've been debating whether I want to get that if I can still get it because I think it was limited. But if we can still get it and do that on stream. Kind of stream, trying to learn how to do it and make it. Yeah, that, that would be fun. We'll do. Yeah. All right, uh,
0: our last story of the day, I believe. Is this my story or yours? Yours. Okay.
1: <clears throat> the Last of Us Part Two is entering final stages of development from Colin Stevens at IGN. Bum, Thanks bum, to bum, IGN bum, and bum. GamesIndustry.biz for most of our stories today, and Jason Schreier. Uh, while it's still unclear how far away The Last of Us Part Two's release is. The game's co-director has indicated Naughty Dog is hiring new talent to help close out its development. Uh, posted by co-director Anthony Newman on Twitter, uh, he wrote, "Lots, uh, quote, a lot of awesome positions open to help us close out this game. I especially want to highlight the melee animator position. Uh, the position highlighted is the post, and the post includes animators, programmers, game designers, lighting and visual effects artists, and more." These positions have been open as of May 10th. While Newman's phrasing isn't entirely concrete, it appears Naughty Dog is hiring t- this talent for the final stretch of the game in order to close out development. I mean, that's what he said, right? Yeah. If new talent is coming in, that likely means there's still quite a bit of work left on the game. But if this is in the later stages of development, this uh, that means the team has certainly completed much of the game's production. This could mean uh, the game is coming later in 2019. Colin, come on. Or is still a year or more away.
0: It could mean it could come out
1: sometime. Sometime this game may come out. Mm -hmm. Uh, But at least it appears we won't be waiting years and years for its eventual release. Just years. Yeah. The most recent update we had on the game's development was that the performance capture had been completed for Ellie and Joel. And the final scene of the game had been shot. While this also doesn't give us any concrete answers on how far the game is. Alright, we got it. We got it, Colin. Thanks. Um... and the last major look we had, Last of Us Part 2, was at Sony's E3 2018 conference, which we won't have one this year because Sony's not going to have one. Mm-hmm. Um, but we might get a state I think we'll get a stay-to-play a couple weeks before. Well, this is a couple weeks
0: before, and we got one.
1: Uh, well, it's about a month before. Right now? Yeah.
0: Okay. Nah. Yeah. It's like three we- two weeks from now.
1: Yeah, I guess it wouldn't make... Maybe at maybe the end, maybe five. at the end of June they'll have a, another one. Into yeah. May. No, end of June. Okay. So after E three, because I they said they're Sony said they're not doing anything on near or around E three that we're we're not doing anything, but afterwards they might.
0: So you know, it'd be funny if they only went to E three like on the last day. They'd just play. Like, oh, by the way, we're having an event. In September, it's this thing, and it's gonna be awesome. Yeah. And goodbye.
1: And then they would still win E three. <laughs> um, it's a shoe hey, with with a with a sign says see us in September. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's the show this week. Uh, before we
0: go, I'm just gonna read. Re-
1: well, to- I was gonna t- talk about a little bit. Uh, I watched the. Uh, the making, uh, raising Kratos. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. The uh, there's a documentary on YouTube you can go watch if you're interested. Uh, it's called Raising Kratos. It's about two hours long, and it's about the Santa Monica development of God of War. Um, and boy, just the personal, like sacrifices, and just seeing like seeing creators in their element, four or five years into development, and still two years from release. Just seeing like just how dead inside they look. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Even, like, as far as, like, the 2017 demo... Or, no, the 2016 demo. The first one they showed. They're like, it took us four years to get ten minutes playable. Wow. And to look that good. Now we have 30 hours to get done in a year and a half. And just seeing... Somebody knew that this game was going to be good because they had like, doc- the, like video, uh, a videographer like every step of the process. Wow! Like when he was pitch when they were pitching the idea, and Shannon, uh, one of the I don't know what her position is, but she is the one she she convinced Corey to come back to uh, Santa Monica to take over for God of War mm-hmm. because God of War was not in a good place after God of War Ascension and um and he he's he worked on all three of the originals right well he worked on he was he, he was uh i don't know what exactly he did in the first one because david jaffe directed the first sure, one but course. he directed the second one
0: cory Barlog did god of war 2
1: yeah cory Barlog. oh wow. did, uh, did god of war 2 and then when so after the first one he left uh, uh david jaffe left so Corey Barlog took over God of War two, and then he left, and then uh, David Asmussen, uh, uh s- s- Stig Asmussen, Stig- Ost- uh, took over for God of War three. And there was like a joke because they had all th- all three or four of them who've worked on uh, who- directors of God of War games were sitting there at like some and David Jaffe panel. was there. Yeah, David Jaffe. Oh, there. that's cool. It was it was an old interview because they all looked a little younger. But uh, he he made the joke. He uh, like how how do you get yeah, how did you get to get be in this position? He, I guess Stig had asked him or something. He's like, "Oh, you just need someone to quit." <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um,
0: I kind of I was thinking about what I was gonna do tonight. I'm like, I might watch that.
1: Yeah, it's good. Um, like the first line of it is, like this was like going into holiday 2017, and um, they hadn't delayed yet. They were still set for uh. I don't think we ever knew, but it was set for like March 13th, hmm. and everybody knew that was not happening, and, and like, one of the first lines is him was saying, fuck me, <laughs> <laughs> and everybody's like, well, maybe, we'll, he's like, I already know, we're just, it's just not gonna happen, and they pushed it a month later, In
0: it was the the 30 days it
1: takes, th- the 30 days it absolutely needed to be one of the greatest games ever made, Yeah, and so... I was sitting there watching it and mom you know she wasn't watching it she was you know hearing it in yeah. the room and she's like I get why some of this is interesting but you know some of it's not and I was like well she didn't have the context she didn't even know I played God of War I was like this is we both we, we, it. we both played it I bought the 4K TV for God of War yeah and um it was more about this is one of the greatest video games ever made it's a technical achievement as far as like no game has, they're, they're, it does things that no game has ever done. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got the one-shot camera for a 30-hour experience, and that doesn't cut unless you die. Mm-hmm. Other than that, there's no cuts. It does some clever like flashes of light, so you can change scenery if it needs to. But they they the camera never shuts off unless you die. Um, you have a, a a a hero in this game that people hated. People did not like Kratos because he was a one note character he yells a lot and he screams at everything and he kills it mm-hmm. and and this took Kratos someone who's not really relatable and brought him down and made you like empathize with this character and so I found that you know very interesting as well as Corey Barlog just a very seems like a very nice guy, very cool personal personal dude yeah so. Uh, just seeing him and the other people that were all in this, you know, in the middle of it, uh, in the middle of all the development, they switched, they moved to a new space. And um, there was a, there was a project they were working on after Ascension that uh, uh, Santa Monica was working on that was deep, deep into development. They showed some concept art that just got canned. Wow. And uh, laid off hundreds of, like 150 employees. It's crazy. <clears throat> and then... You know, I don't want to ruin it all. So go yeah, watch it. So, yeah, go watch but it, it. was it was really good. It was worth my time. And yeah, great. Do you ever watch the uh, grounded uh, for the Last of Us uh, documentary? Um, probably have. Uh, it it's really good too. I think Sony is doing a really good job of like taking these, not only making making their studios like something to talk about, but actually like giving you the inside scoop on some of this mm. like development. I think that's really cool. For sure. For sure. And I want the same thing for the initiative. Microsoft. I want the same thing for whatever the initiative does. Because mm-hmm. just the creation of the studio, what what they're doing there, the talent they're putting together. I would just to – be, to be the fly on the wall in that place would be interesting. Yeah. But, you know. Anyway, back to the games coming out this week. All right. Uh,
0: so, coming out this week, we we'll have, have – there are quite a few, yeah. Uh, American <coughs> Fugitive comes to Switch on May 23rd. Conglomerate 451 comes to PC on Is May 23rd. Is that reference to Fahrenheit? I guess so. Um, Pathol- Pathologic 2 comes to PC on May 23rd. Tennis World Tour, Roland Garros Edition, PC, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch on May 23rd. Total War Three Kingdoms comes to PC on May 23rd. And TT Isle of Man... Switch comes to, or comes to Switch on May 23rd. Uh, on May 24th, we have American Fugitive on Xbox One and Sword Art Online Hollow Realization Deluxe Edition on Switch. Um, on May 28th, we have uh, Cricket 19, the official game of the Ashes on PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. Layers of Fear 2 on PS- PC, PS4, and Xbox One. Little Friends, Dogs, and Cats on Switch oxygen not included on pc and then on may 29th we have among the sleep enhanced edition on ps4 xbox one and switch blood and truth comes to psvr and dragon comes to pc on may 29th there we go so thanks for watching this week uh if you're a game of thrones fan unlike us um i'm sorry uh, for whatever happens whatever happens and that apparently it's terrible get over it i guess yeah um we did and uh if you i think there's something else ending oh in end game if you're sad about that i understand yeah or if you're happy about it if you haven't seen it sure who knows anyway that's the show we will see you next week and until
1: well are you gonna give them like you know twitter and that kind of stuff
0: i mean i could if you'd like to follow us, you can follow us
1: on Twitter at WearGaming underscore. You can follow me at Nicklish. You can follow me at Jaws1015. And until next week, say goodbye, Nick. Goodbye,
0: Nick. See ya.